Good to have everybody here today. Turn in your Bible to two passages of Scripture. Hold your place at both. Hebrews 10 and 1 John. Hebrews 10 and 1 John. Find your place and flip around there and figure, hey, and if you're, a, if you're an iPhone or a, a smartphone a Bible user, get more handy with flipping it around so you can follow Pastor Sam. Uh, we're going to look in, at some in-depth passages from these two um, chapters. 1 John, we're going to get a snapshot all the way through 1 John, really, uh, in just a few moments in Hebrews 10. Everyone say 1 John and Hebrews 10. Amen. With that in mind, uh, let's pray together. And uh, let me just ask you this question before we pray. If Jesus speaks to you, will you respond? If he speaks to you, and now here's what I believe, he always speaks through his word. And I've found out in scripture, he can even talk through a donkey. Everybody go, and if he can speak through a donkey, he can certainly speak through old Pastor Sam. And so I believe God has a word for us this morning, and I want you to open your hearts It's easy to come to church and kind of get into this zone of just coming to do our duty and to show up and make sure everything's okay between us and the man upstairs. But we need to open up our hearts to him and and realize he is our Lord. He is our leader. He is the lover of our soul, the tender of our heart. and, and, uh, and, And we need to respond and listen to what he has to say. Everybody say there's nothing wrong with God's mouth. He's still speaking today. So let's pray and let's open up our hearts to hear what he has to say for us today. Father, we yield ourselves to you. Lord, today as I share this word, I pray, Lord, that whatever is of me would fade away and the word and the will of God would abide forever in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said one more time, amen. As you see, we're talking about doomsday preppers. Now, don't let that passage of that picture scare you. I just thought it was cool. Uh, and I uh, thought it was a good tag to get you maybe a little more interested in being here. Preparing your life and family for the end of days. Everyone say end of days. Here's what we've learned already. We're already in the last days. We're already in the end of days. And you may go, oh, pastor, they've been saying that for years. Well, next week, you need to be here next week because we're going to look at Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, Peter addresses that issue. He says, people, people have been hassling us for, uh, you know, he said, in fact, beware of these people. They're saying, you've been saying that, and it's not happening. Jesus is not coming back. And then we get down into that passage of Scripture where I've quoted it before. And, and uh, Peter says, you need to realize this is the enemy trying to undermine what's really going on. And he said, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And we need to be busy about the business of winning people to Christ. In fact, the church was born for the last days. When the church was birthed in first, uh, pardon me, Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up and quotes Joel and he says, uh, he says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Everyone say last days. And then he says, what you see today is that. So the church was birthed and the time clock of God, if you will, was turned off and the age of grace came for the church to fulfill her kingdom purpose. And we were born for the last days. We were birthed. This church was built. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ was built as a witness and as a, as a light, if you will, as salt and light in a dark place. 
to see the gospel of Jesus go forth in all the earth. Everyone say, last days. Now, we've been, let me just quickly bring you up to speed on where we've been. Uh, the disciples asked Jesus three questions in Matthew 24. They says, when, because he prophesied the, the destruction of Jerusalem and and uh, that got them shook up, and they started asking questions. They said, when will this be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the, end of the age? And Jesus, in Matthew 24, goes into some in-depth insight about the last days. And if we had time, we'd go back. And he said, he talked about wars and rumors of wars. You've heard that, and, and, and trouble and trauma. He said, this is the beginning of sorrows. And then he talked about persecution and, and people uh, being martyrs for Christ. Listen, we are modern-day witnesses of last day's events. Do you realize that? Everyone say last days. And so we looked at those passages, and, and there's so much more we could uh, draw from. And in fact, the two things he said right up front, he said, make sure nobody deceives you and see that you're not troubled. You can't be deceived in the last days, and you can't be troubled. Everybody say, you can't let trouble trouble you. And the last days are filled with trouble. Did you realize the church was born to be an answer and a light in the days of trouble? I said, boy, y'all are about half with me today. I've been waiting all week. See, I didn't even preach Wednesday night. I took a break. I was in the woods on Wednesday night. I get all bottled up. I'm ready to go. And if you're about half with me, I just get frustrated. I said, we're living in the last days. We were born for this. Amen. <laughs> we really are. Everybody say, don't be deceived and don't be troubled. And that's us. We're here. This is, our, this is our MO. And so for the past few weeks, we've been talking about ways and means for us to be prepared. In fact, Matthew 24 and 25, the whole theme, the overall theme is be ready for the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. And Jesus is coming again. Oh, as I said, oh, preacher, people have been saying that. Hey, uh, a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. You read Revelation. What does he say in the last little bit, the, the last red that is, that is read? The last words of Jesus in Revelation, I'm coming quickly. Everybody say he's coming quickly. And so I want to ask you today, are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth? Is your family ready for the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth? That's what he kept saying in Matthew 24 and 25. Uh, and in fact, he told the disciples before he was ever crucified, John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you and, and I'll come again. Look at your neighbor said, he really is coming again. Did you know planet Earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere? Jesus Christ is coming again. And, uh, oh, I, I'm wanting to preach next week, this week. Uh, in fact, you just read uh, 1 Peter chapter, Second uh, Peter chapter 3 and just get ready for next week. And so that's the theme. And then we looked in Revelation chapter 1 and 2. And OMG, if you missed this one on the revelation of Jesus, you need to go back and, and get online and, and watch that. I think it's by tape or, or by DVD as or any which way you need, you can watch us on, uh, through our website. Uh, John the Revelator in Revelation 1, he was uh, banished to the Isle called Patmos because of the testimony of the Lord. We're going to look at some of the things that he said in just a few moments, but he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he saw the Lord. Amen? How many of you know we need to always be in the Spirit and, and be ready to receive what God has for us? 
And he turned to see what, who was speaking to him and he saw the resurrected Christ in all his glory and he fell down as a dead man. He was overwhelmed by the person in the presence of Jesus Christ. And we learned from that insight about the revelation of Jesus about the last days and the end of days to not be overwhelmed by the end of days. We must be overwhelmed by the ancient of days. We must let his power and his presence and his person overwhelm us. And when we get a revelation of Jesus and we realize that he's coming again and that life on planet earth is temporary and we're going to spend eternity with him, uh, we ought to, that ought to excite us and empower us. We need a real revelation of Jesus. And then we looked at last week from Revelation 1, 9 through 20, we looked at the revelation of the church. And uh, interesting thing, when you look uh, to these passages, he said, write these letters to these churches. But what we see Jesus doing when he revealed himself to John and told him to write these letters, he revealed himself and he gave a little, Ill, he said he, there were seven lampstands. And then the last part of that chapter one says, and the lampstands were the seven churches. We find Jesus in the last days walking in the midst of his churches. And we need to understand that Jesus is coming back for his church. He loves his church. We kind of think church is just one of the things we thought up to kind of keep us all together until he comes. Listen, the church is the bride of Christ. He loves us dearly. He's not given up on the church. People have given up on the church, but he's not given up on the church. And one day he will come back for his church. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you. I, I want to be preaching in church on a Sunday morning when Jesus comes back. I love the church. He loves the church. We ought to love the church. We need to be plugged in. And so we learned this. If we want, if we want to prosper and be productive in the last days, uh, in the, in the end of days, we got to place ourselves where Jesus is in the midst of his church. Amen. And so that's where we've been. There's so much more I could say about where we've been, but let me keep us moving forward. I have a few moments. I want to talk to you today about the revelation of relationship about real relationship. Here's what's interesting to me. Uh, Revelation 1-9, when he begins to write, he says, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation. Everybody say brother and companion. He could have said anything. He could have said the apostle John. He could have said the best friend of Jesus. He could have said the prophet of the last days, but... There we find John on the isle called Patmos. And by the way, John was a very relational guy. He loved God and he loved people. And you read his writings and you'll see that. We're going to look in 1 John in just a moment. But undoubtedly, John, there by himself on the isle called Patmos. I've never been there. But uh, we heard uh, uh, Brother Jack Hayford, been there three or four times. He says, there's no reason to want to go there other than to be at the place where, where Revelation was written. He said, there's nothing there. And that's where John was. And undoubtedly, as it says, he was grieving the loss of relationship. There on the isle called Patmos, he was by himself. He was, he was a very relational guy. In fact, most people believe, in fact, you read the scripture, you'll discover that, that if not, Jesus' very best friend, one of his very closest friends. And so you know he's grieving the loss of his Lord and, and, the, and the loss of relationship. And, and his own brother, you know, his brother, anybody remember his brother's name? They were the sons of thunder. James, the sons, of, you know, you, they were, hey, how many of you know when you're close friends with your biological brother, you're, you're pretty, you got things going on, amen? 
And then he was friends with Peter, and, 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 and they were just great friends. John was missing the relationships he had because of the fact that he was, because of the testimony of Christ, banished to the isle called Patmos. In fact, his friends, if you remember, when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah showed up, and there was James and John and Peter, and they were gathered together, and Jesus... His very own best friend. He missed his friends desperately. And so this revelation of Jesus was undoubtedly uh, a great consolation to him. As he was missing his friends and as he was desperately needing. And he writes to, the, to these churches and, and he could have said anything. Listen, you need to understand that when it comes to the last days, it's not your position or your prominence. It's not what you've stacked up. It's the friends and the relationships you've built along the way. In fact, let me give you today's takeaway. Everybody say, you better get this one. Today's takeaway, here it is. In the end of days, it's not prestige or position or property that will protect and provide. Righteous relationships with God and the family of God, on the other hand, will. You and I need to realize that. That's the whole thought of what today is all about. It's not what you stack up. It's not the prestige that you have. And John the Revelator could have had some great prestige. Even the fact that he had been arrested and banished to the isle called Patmos could, could uh, reflect some spiritual prestige and credibility in the church. He could have thrown that out and, 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 and modeled himself and, as someone of great uh, sacrifice. But when he wrote this letter to these churches under the inspiration of the Lord of glory, he said, my brothers and my companions, he realized that whatever prestige or position or property that he had had nothing of value to him in the last days. In fact, did you know everything we stack up is going to melt with a fervent heat? It's going to happen. And it's the right relationship we have with God and the family of God that will keep us and protect us and bless us and, and minister to us and work through us in these last days. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, we need one another. We really do. In fact, that brings me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. This passage of Scripture has been quoted many times. And let me just, could I say something to you today on a personal level? Hebrews chapter 10, look in verse 24 and 25 with me. And this is what it says, and it talks about us being together. Let me tell you something as a pastor. I'm grieved by people's lack of understanding about the importance of relationships in these last days. And the scripture is so clear. Let's read it together out loud. Everyone together. And let us consider. Well, come on, everybody with me out loud. Here we go. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. But exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. What's he saying? As we draw closer to the return of Jesus Christ to planet earth. What did Jesus say we needed to be ready for? His soon coming return. We must be ready. We must be standing at the door. We must be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. And the writer of Hebrews, who I happen to believe is Paul the Apostle, it's just my assumption, just what I think. He says, let us consider one another. In these last days, my friend, we cannot be so self-absorbed that we miss the responsibility of others in our life. 
I know all of us have, have stuff going on. How many of you got issues? We got family issues. We got financial issues. We got this. We got that. They've had it for centuries. From the days of time, everybody had their stuff they've had to walk through. But here comes the writer of Hebrews that says this, and let us consider one another. In other, in other words, in the last days, we've got to be thinking about others. We must be concerned about others and stir up love and good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. Listen to me carefully. There is an attack on the local church today, not just here but all over the world. I've read articles and oh, there's all kind of... Let me just tell you, I've been in full-time pastoral ministry for a long time. I know nothing about church growth. But I know a lot about what happens when the enemy gets in people's heart and how he keeps them from plugging in and getting involved with the local church and, and keeps them from building strong relationships with one another. Listen today, I have relationships with pastors and, and friends from years and years ago and you need to understand, without them I'd be in a world of hurt. And in fact, every Sunday morning, we have a little text thread where we exhort one another because we know the day is approaching. We've, I've got a band of brothers. Listen, if you don't have a band of brothers or a band of sisters, if you don't have a, a, a tight relationship with people who can encourage you and stir up love and good works. Now, I know a lot of people have friend, friends that they get together and they just... They just talk about everybody and everything. And there's no real spiritual stability there. And he says, so much more. Everybody say, so much more. As you see the day approaching. Could I tell you? I see the day approaching. Look around you. Wars and rumors of wars. Christians being killed for their confession of Christ. All over this world. There is an attack on the church. Do you realize that it's troubled times, but we were born for this. And the scripture says that as we see that day approaching, all the more. Everybody say, all the more. In other words, as we draw closer to the return of Jesus Christ, we need to become more connected, more relational, more, more uh, 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 woven together and knit together, as Paul said in Ephesians, uh, more so than ever before. Amen? So with that in mind today, how many of you are in 1 John? Did you find 1 John? I said, did you find 1 John? All right, there you are. When you look at 1 John, this letter, it's a wonderful little short letter. It has, uh, what, five chapters. And then there's 2 John and 3 John, which are just a little short uh, one-chapter uh, uh letters. But these five chapters are chock full of great insight about a lot of things. But when you look at them and you realize who wrote them, John, the one who was a relational, I mean, you read through the gospel of John, you read through first John and second and third John, and even through revelation, you'll see relationship woven throughout them all. This man understood and embraced the necessity of righteous relationships in his life, and he encouraged the church to develop and do the same. In fact, I want you to look in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. I want you to see the righteous relationships. That RR is righteous relationships. John's last hour, I want to say last hour. 
He's calling the church, he's calling you and I to righteous relationships. Look in chapter 2, uh, uh, just quickly. And he says, verse 15, uh, oh, I'll, I'll skip that for the sake of time. Look in verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Everyone say it is the last hour. And in this book of 1 John, we see John in a lot of different ways calling the church, calling you and me in the last hour. I want to say it's the last hour. He didn't say the last day. He got down to the last hour. He believes that the time is short. And you say, again, old pastor, they've been saying that. Listen, in the scheme of God, in the time clock of God, we are just a little speck of time in the history of humanity for the purpose of God to be fulfilled. And we've got to be busy about the Father's business. And John the Revelator, who wrote Revelation, and I believe wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. There's other people that don't believe that. I believe he wrote Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. Now, uh, we'll find out for sure when we get to heaven. I just believe that uh, God didn't confuse me and that he didn't throw in a John or even some people say that John didn't really even write Revelation even though it said I John I just got a feeling that if you say I John your name is John and so uh, that's just between you and me in case you have a different philosophy follow follow along with me for the sake of this preaching this morning he was very relational and in this book he looks and he realizes that we are living in the last hour and he's calling the church to develop and build righteous relationships not only with God but with the family of God in fact, I want to show you this in 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read seven verses just for the sake of... Oh, I, no, I better jump down uh, for the sake of time. Let me just show you this. In 1 John chapter 6 and 7, he says this. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, that is big H, Jesus, or God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. In other words, he's trying to develop for the people of God... To, to, to embrace a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then he goes on to say this, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have, everybody say, you glow, girl. I just thought I'd throw that in. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, look what happens. We have fellowship with who? One another. And so we see John the Revelator in the last hour, he's concerned about you and me and desirous for us to have right relationships with our Heavenly Father and right relationships with our Heavenly Father's family, with one another. Amen? He's in sync and harmony with Hebrews where it says, where it says, let us consider one another. So you see this scene. He's saying we need to have righteous, right relationships with God and man in the last hour. Everyone say it's the last hour. Now, very quickly, in 1 John, really all through John, he gives us some building blocks, if you will. I want to give you some insight on how to build end-of-days relationships. I'm not talking about surface relationships. I'm not, ta I'm ta I'm not talking about, hey, God, good to see you. God bless you. And then smile and, and, and just go on your merry way. I'm talking about depth of relationship. And listen, not everybody is a deep friend or a close companion. But listen, there needs to be, everybody say your brothers and companions. 
He said, I, your brother and companion. Listen, in this last hour, you better have some brothers and companions. For you sisters, you better have some soul sisters. You better have some confidant characters who can look you in the face and say, what's going on in your world? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? We need one another. Everybody say, we need one another. And John gives us some insight about building righteous relationships, last days, end of days relationships. The first one is this. It requires focus. Everyone say focus. And now, this is what I'm talking, look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. He says, that which we have seen, he's talking about Jesus, and which we have heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying? You know what he, you can read between the lines a little bit there? He's saying, listen carefully, my focus is not on me. Listen, a doomsday prepper, all their focus is, is on them. A real prep. I'm talking about people who are sacking it away. Me and my family, we're sacking it away. We're getting our bullets. And hey, you can do that. I think it's however you want. But that's not what I'm, I'm talking about. In the last days for the church, we've got to be focused on others. We've got to think about brothers and sisters and not just think about ourselves. And in the world we live in, it's such a narcissistic, self-centered world. We need to realize that everything the world's feeding us, that's why Jesus, pardon me, John the, uh, the Revelator in 1 John chapter 4, before he said it's the last hour, he said, "Little, hey, don't love the world or the things of the world. Anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes and the pride of life, which all have to do with you, it's going to melt away then he said it's the last hour everybody say last hour and in this last hour we got to get our self-centeredness centered on him and his family turn our focus away from ourselves. listen one of the most therapeutic things you could ever do is quit worshiping yourself and begin to worship him and love his family amen Hallelujah. It requires focus. It, re it requires concentrated focus because you see, naturally, we are all selfish. I've told this before. I'll never get done by 12. How many of you want a little mercy today? The glow girls came, and so we got to... How many of you have a little mercy with the pastor? Amen. They got me worked up anyway. So here we go. Listen, we need one another. I, one day, I was, a, I was a youth pastor in a church and my pastor thought I needed counseling, and I probably did, and he sent me to a counselor. No matter what I said, here was his prognosis. Well, you're just selfish. And so he'd ask some more questions, and we'd talk some more. He said, well, Sam, you know your problem is you're just selfish. By the time we were done, I was ready to choke the counselor. I said, you could have texted me that. Well, there was no texting in those days. I didn't have to drive two hours to hear that. You could have just told me that over the phone. I got you. I'm selfish. And so over the years, I've been trying to not be selfish. But listen, that's our nature. Look at your, your neighbor and say, it's just your nature. Now, you could say you can't help it, and you can't until you get Jesus in your heart. But when you get the love of God in your heart, things begin to change. It requires focus. Everyone say focus. If you want to build end of days righteous relationship, it's going to require real focus on others. And number two, it requires forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. 
1 John chapter 1 is all about forgiveness, finding forgiveness. And we need to be forgiven by God and we need to be a forgiver. In fact, when Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, pray this way. uh, 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 Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Did you know your forgiveness from God is conditional on your capacity to forgive others? And if you're walking with an offense with others, listen, your forgiveness from God is seriously limited. Forgive us our trespasses as we are in harmony with or in sync with our capacity to forgive others. Read 1 John chapter 1. It's all about forgiveness. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, if you're going to build right relationship with God, undoubtedly, you need to find forgiveness. And if you're going to build right relationships with God and the family of God, you've got to be a forgiver. We've got to be forgivers, and we must walk in forgiveness. And that's what it takes to build end-of-days relationships. It requires focus and forgiveness. But number three, it requires fellowship. We've got to be with one another. You've got to spend time with one another. That's what he said in 1 John 1, 7. He said this. He said, we have fellowship with one another. Now, that's not just the crawfish bowl. That's not just the ladies' retreat. It's a lifestyle. Fellowship is a lifestyle. When the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2, you read around 40 through 46, it says, And the church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread and fellowship and prayer. They, it became a lifestyle. Listen, the community of the house of God has got to, got to become our lifestyle. Jesus and his church can't be a part of the pie. It's got to be the central focus of your, of your life. And from the church and from the ministry of Jesus in your life flow all good things. Because Jesus, if you will, was not walking in any place else in the last hour revelation other than the midst of his churches. Amen? It requires fellowship. We've got to spend time with one another. And that word fellowship, the Greek is koinonia. Everyone say koinonia. It means, I said everybody say koinonia. So you can speak Greek now. Koinonia means common. It's where we get the word communion. Everyone say communion. Now it's getting a little deeper. That relationship is beyond the crawfish bowl. It's beyond just a couple of days, even though you can build some great relationships in 36 hours at a ladies' retreat. It moves into daily lifestyle of fellowshipping with the saints. Amen. And having a common ground of the cross of Christ in our life. And then number four, building end-of-days relationships requires friendships. Jesus had close friends. Not everybody was his best friend, but he had, a, he had layers of friendships, all of which were valid and good. He had John, his best friend. He had James and John and Peter, his, his, little, his group of three. And then he had the 12. Then he had the 70. Then he had the, the hundreds and the masses. Jesus was friendly with all, but he had some close friends. In fact, I love what John 15 says. He said this to his disciples. He said, you're no longer my servants. Today, I'm calling you my friends. If Jesus needed friends, we certainly need friends. We need friends. In fact, let me just say this. If you need some friends, you need to show yourself friendly. Most people got a big frown on their face and a burr under their saddle, and they wonder why nobody wants to go have Starbucks with them. 
Those four simple things will get you on the path. And let me just say quickly, you know, Hebrews said we stir up love and good works. Let me give you four things that I believe genuine righteous relationships should stir up and generate in all of us. This is what will happen when we begin to build righteous relationships for the end of days. Number one, it generates joy in our life. First John chapter 1, verse 4, he said, These things we write to you that you, in some translations, or say our, that you and our joy might be full. What was he talking about? Right relationship with God and right relationship with one another. It brings joy in the church. How many of you, when you get all offended, it just makes you all happy inside? When you're right with God and man, listen, it births joy in your heart. And my Bible says it's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It produces joy. Number two, it generates spiritual stability in our life. Together we become more stable. I wish I had time to give, give you a, 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 an in-depth study on just this fact alone. But 1 John chapter 2, verse 10, he says this, He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. In other words, together we become stable. By ourselves, we are in serious trouble. But together, in fact, one can chase a thousand, but two, ten thousand. We build a stability of relationship. Listen, you can rest easy that your pastor has friends, blood, brothers and companions that are praying for him and watching after him and tending to him and vice versa. And then if Pastor Sam ever starts to stumble, they're right there for him. And it says when we have righteous relationships and we really love one another, that that capacity to stumble just goes right out the window. It brings joy. It brings stability. Righteous relationships bring generosity in our life. I love 1 John chapter 3. Look what it says in verse 16. He said, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Somebody say amen. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What's he saying? When you get righteous relationships happening in your life, it just starts flowing out of you. You want to help somebody. Where's Stacy? Stacy, Stacy, bless her heart. I, I love her more than this, but the other day she broke her phone. She busted her phone. And so it just, God, how many of you... You know, they make them on purpose to break. I, I just, oh, I broke, a, I just shattered it. It's just terrible. I hate that. It just grieves me. And so I grieved for her and I said, go, H-E-B, go fix it. So she finally went and had it fixed. She sent us a text. Oh, I'm back in business. Less than 24 hours later, before her industrial strength case came in the mail, she broke it again. I gave her my credit card. I said, go fix it, baby. I'm so sorry. She said, no, I can do it. But man, just my, my heart was broken for her. I thought, oh God, I want to help her. On a much deeper level, listen, when our family hurts and when, we, when they need us and when we need one another, man, our hearts just pour out, whatever it takes, whatever it costs. If a man said, hey, just as Jesus laid down his life, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's what it's going to take in the end of days. It generates joy, stability, and generosity. And then finally, it generates evangelistic productivity. Let me show you this in chapter 4. I love this. I didn't, I've never seen this before this last few weeks. Love has been perfected among us in this, 
that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Everybody say boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. He's in the world as the light of the world. We are the light of the world. And and what's he saying here? When we get to loving each other rightly, when love begins to be matured in us, it births within us because of our righteous relationships a boldness in the day of the Lord. And listen, what we need in the last days is not milk toast, mamby pamby, whiny, scared, uh, 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 frady cats in the kingdom. We need bold witnesses for Christ who'll stand up in the middle of the trouble. We were born for this. You need to understand that. And when we have relationship with one another and love begins to mature within us, we stand together. I love what Pentecost, on Pentecost, when they stood up in the face of religiosity and Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, gets up to preach. It says this, and his other brothers stood there with him. Wouldn't that be cool one Sunday while I'm up here preaching for 45 minutes if there's five or 10 or 12 guys just standing up here with me going, that's right, pastor. That's what they were doing. They were standing together. And it produced evangelistic productivity. Amen. That's what it does. Righteous relationships, they're invaluable. They're priceless. And as we close today, here's where I need a little patience because it's close to 12. The problem with all this is the enemy has been busy building what? Everybody say it, people problems. Everybody say people problems. The whole world has people problems. If the truth were known, some of you may have a problem with me. I don't know why you're here if you do, but... Maybe you want to get it right. But everybody has problems. They have people problems, issues. And today, this world, this culture is inundated with relational issues. Listen carefully. Jesus is trying to bring us together. The devil's trying to tear us apart. And trying to undermine God's purpose and plan on planet earth in the last days. People have people problems. They have issues. People have issues. Why? And in fact, here, many, and I, I want to change this to most, but I'll just say many are relationally challenged or relationally wounded. People trying to struggle. You know, there are people not here today. You know why they're not here? They're relationally wounded. They've been wounded. You know why some people are not here today? They're relationally challenged. Big crowds bug them. They're afraid of, they, they got, I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, if they do come, they slip in late and jump out early. And, 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 and if they do, hey, God bless them. But what it reveals is our culture is relationally challenged and relationally wounded. We got issues. Everybody say issues. A lot of people carry issues that irritate them. They're easily irritated. You ever, you ever know anybody like that? Issues that irritate. Did you know love kind of washes that out? When you love like Jesus said love and what Paul said in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, love is not easily provoked. Some people are so easily irritated. They carry an irritant. They got a burr under their saddle. They uh, they just irritate it all the time. Why? It's because they have issues. And I've always told you about uh, Bob. Anybody named Bob here? No Bob's? It's the Bob. Are you Bob? Oh, gosh. Any, any Leroy's here? No Leroy's? Here's the Leroy principle. 
if Leroy has a problem with everybody, Leroy is probably the problem. He's got issues. And that hinders us from righteous relationships. It's issues that irritate. People have issues that isolate. They may have personal issues and they're afraid to come to church because they're afraid the pastor might prophesy their issue. And oh, they're afraid. And so they isolate themselves. They got something to hide. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who isolates himself seeks his own desires and he rages against all sound judgment. We got a culture full of irritated people, people who are isolated because they got issues. And then finally, there's issues that if we don't deal with them, they escalate. Issues that escalate. Hebrews 12.14 talks about the root of bitterness so we get a root of bitterness and it springs up everybody say springs up that Hebrew word there pardon me the Greek word there means blows up it's like cancer it says because of it many become infected and defiled issue and here we are little children it is the last hour. Everybody say last hour. And could I ask you how long are we going to let those issues that irritate and isolate and escalate in our life keep robbing us from the primary resource of our stability in these last days? Listen, when we start dealing with these issues, start forgiving, start fellowshipping, Start focusing on others. Those problems begin to wash away. He can heal them. And I don't know where you are today, but if, you're, if you've got an issue that just always irritates you, you're always irritated. You've got a problem inside. Because the love of God is not easily provoked got a short fuse let me just throw that anybody know anybody has a short fuse nobody oh yes not me of course but I know somebody what's what, what's bugging you let the counselor come out in the path what's the real issue that causes you to always be bugged and irritated by everybody that turns around and you can't keep a friend because before long you, you get irritated by them and you shuffle them off because they irritate you you don't have God's love in your heart come on you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get that straight inside there's people here today you haven't talked to your family people you, you were your blood because of issues you sit at home and write, oh, I'm getting tough this morning. You sit at home in your righteous indignation and say, well, if they would do that, I would do this. Oh, now that sounds a whole lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Well, they did this and they did that. You're just irritated. You don't love them. Well, you don't know. I... Jesus hanging on the cross said, forgive them, Lord. They just don't know what they're doing. Come on. If we're ever going to make it through these end of days, we need one another.
the last place you want to be in troubling times is without brothers and companions. That's the last place you want to be. Standing before Jesus with all your issues, with all your irritations, your isolation, and your root of bitterness that keeps you from really having friends. And keeps you from really having relationships with others that then hinders your relationship with God. If we're going to be ready for the last days, ready for His return, we need to follow the footsteps of old John and just say, hey, in, in these days, you're my brother and you're my companion in tribulation. Let's stand together. As we close today, it's just a couple of few minutes after noon. Please just give me just a moment. There are people who are battling. I stirred up something in you this morning. I stirred up that issue. Listen, some things will never go away until you make them go away. Until you take action. Until you deal with the issues of your life the relational challenges you have and the relational wounds you have and start loving like Jesus said love and be a forgiver so as we bow our heads today this is where it begins this is, this is where it happens right here as you bow your head before the Lord I'm going to pray for you and we're going to pray together and, and God's going to lead us down a road. And listen, I didn't want to stir this up in you unless you deal with it. Listen, we can, we can begin to deal with these things. If you're relationally challenged or relationally wounded today, this is your opportunity to find healing from God. Some of you have been hurt by others. Some of you have been hurt so much that you hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. You've begun to spread your issue to others. Your kids are getting it too. You're spreading your cancer to your kids. You talk about others in front of them because you've you got issues. And in troubling times, we don't need issues. We need friends and brothers. A real relationship with God and the family of God. Let's bow our heads before God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, you got me today. This, is, this, is, this has been my biggie. This has been my trouble. This has been the, the challenge of my, of my days is, is these, these issues, these relational issues. And today I've got one and I'm not sure how to, how to fix it or how to help it or how to heal it. But if you'll pray for me, Pastor, I'm going to begin to go down the road of finding forgiveness with God and man and begin to reach out to others and care about others more than I care about myself. I'm going to lay my hurt on the altar of sacrifice and let him take it. If that's you today, if you're here and you can say, Pastor, that's me. i got relational issues. I've got relational wounds that are hindering me and hindering my walk with God. And today I want to lay them at the altar. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. Wherever you 
are, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar quickly. Come on. Come on. We're going to pray together. This is how we do these things. This is how we fix these things. We respond. We reply to God. We, I ask you, if the Lord spoke to you today, would you come? Some of you are here, you're afraid to deal with it. You just say, I don't know. Some of you guys, are. Uh, you just go, man, I, hey, uh, not me. They, uh, you, know, you know what? We deal with it with, uh, different ways. But if it's there, you need to be here. And today, God's going to help us. And I want you today, as we come and we gather together, I want us just to lift up our hands to God. You here in this altar, it's a surrender. And I want you to surrender your issues to God. You just say, Lord, this is an issue. This is a, this is a hurt. I, I've been relationally wounded. I've been relationally challenged. I've got issues with others. There's unforgiveness or whatever it is. You just say, Lord, here it is. I'm bringing it to you. I don't know what to do with it. I can't fix it, Lord. I want everybody to lift your hands towards these and begin to pray for them. The church is going to begin to pray for you. I want you now to pray, church. I want these here in this altar to hear you praying for them, praying for their healing, for their help. Come on, church, lift up your voice towards these. Lord, we lift our hearts towards them. And Lord, some are so hurt and so pained by others. Lord, some of them, Lord God, the hurts go so deep and so wide that they think I can never get beyond this. But Lord, today, I came to tell, Lord, them under your anointing that this can be fixed in their heart. You can heal their hearts. You can help them. You can break this chain in their heart. You can break this curse off their life. I want some of our prayer team just to gather around these and begin to cover them in prayer. Lay your hands on their shoulders just for a moment and just bless them in prayer. Come on, prayer team, leadership team, others. Lord, today we thank you for the healing power of God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that whatever it is, wherever the heartbreak, Lord, is, you're here, Lord, to help. You're here to heal their hearts today. Come on, church, pray. There's a breakthrough happening today. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the breakthrough in every heart and every life. And Lord, today, let them lay this heart, this hurt on the altar of sacrifice today. Let the healing begin to happen in the name of Jesus. Lord, let the healing begin to happen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I break the curse. I break the curse right now in Jesus' name. Somebody here feels cursed about this. They say, I never get over this. This is just the way it's going to be. But today, today, God is breaking this thing off of us. He's given us grace to be a forgiver today. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness of God. We thank you for the forgiveness of God today. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, dear, I hear the Holy Ghost saying, this is your day of release today. You've carried some things so long that it's become so such a baggage on you that you're bringing yourself and everybody else down around you today. This is the devil trying to steal you today. He's not going to have his way. And today I pray, Lord, for the forgiveness of God to begin to be released in and through her right now in Jesus' name. I bind the lies of the devil. The devil's lied to you, dear, and told you you're of no value to God and man because of the hurt of your heart. But God says you are mine, and I love you dearly. And I'm breaking this curse word off of you in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. Hallelujah. Let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. I want everybody in this room just to begin to lift your hands and say, Lord, I forgive. I forgive those who have hurt me. I want everybody to do that. Lord, we forgive them. 
Lord, we don't hold a grudge. Lord, we love them today. And we pray, Lord God, for them. And we pray you'd have mercy on them. And we pray you would love them and care for them. Lord, we forgive them today in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you forgive us. In Jesus' name. We ask you to let the healing begin. We ask you to let the healing begin. I know it's late. Michael, sing us just a simple song, whatever's on your heart. Let's just seal it with a song. Let's just seal it with a song. Jesus, we love you. Tell him. Oh, how we love you. Everybody here, tell him that. There's healing in the house today. You are the one hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one I heart to adore. Sing it. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we saying I'm birthing a fresh hope in your heart to trust God and believe God that whatever the past has been today is a new day God's a God of hope amen he gives us hope a confident expectation of good for the future if you've lost your hope today today God wants to birth a fresh hope in your heart and right now I just speak that over all of us especially these here today Lord I speak a fresh hope a confident expectation of good for our future. Lord, I pray for them that you would birth hope in their heart today, that they would not look through life through the lens of their hurt, but they would look at life through the lens of hope, that they would take off the glasses of hurt and harm and and pain and sorrow and agony and issues of others. And Lord, begin to look at life through the lens of hope and you'd begin to birth the joy and the hope of God in their hearts all over again as they release this hurt and they release these issues to you. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Paul the apostle experienced great hurt. He said, everybody left me. But then he says, the Lord stood with me. Everybody said, the Lord stood with me. Aren't you glad the Lord stands with us? Let's give the one who stands beside us and with us a great victory. Hallelujah. Let's sing it one more time. You can go back to your seats. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Come on, church, sing it. Oh, how we love you. 
I don't know but I just love you and I care about you and I pray for you and I bless you and I release you I've learned something over the years it doesn't do any good to hang on so today we love you and we pray for you if you're here today and you're searching for a church home you feel the divine okie dokie in your heart that this is where you're to be and you sense I'm your pastor This is your place. At the close of this service, I see Jim and Trish here. If you believe God is adding you to Church on the Rock North, at the close of this service, they'll be down here. And you come and take them by the hand and just do this. Say, we got the divine okie-dokie. We believe this is where God wants us to be. They'll pray for you, get some information from you, and welcome you into the family of faith. And we'll just grow together and we'll build relationships together. And guess what we'll do? You know what Jim and I have been doing and, the, and many of that have been here for years and years? You know what we've been doing? We've been changing the world from Beaumont, Texas. We have. We've been changing the world from Beaumont, Texas. Little old Beaumont, Texas. Little old Church on the Rock North. We've been changing the world. And you know what? If you come be a part of their family, you can change the world with us. Amen. And so as we close today, I invite you to come and plug in and get involved with our church family today.